Welcome back to Climbing Thy Mountain, a podcast chronicling the rise of Liberty Athletics through the eyes of those who witnessed it. Today, we welcome in former longtime track and field and cross-country coach Brant Tolzman to the show to talk about the evolution of Liberty Athletics during his time from the early 80s up until his retirement in 2020. Let's send it to the studio as host Joshua Lepowski sits down with Coach Tolzman. And folks, welcome into episode two of Climbing Thy Mountain, the rise of Liberty Athletics, part two, as I said, of a six-part series on the rise of Liberty Athletics through the eyes of those who witnessed it. If you have not listened to episode one featuring Kevin Keyes, that is posted and available, so be sure to go back and tune in and listen to that. However, today we have a very special guest with us here today, former Liberty track coach Brant Tolzma is here with us today over the phone. So, uh, Coach, uh, thank you so very much for uh, joining with me here today. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Coach, to start off, you know, just give the um, the audience just a little bit of information about yourself and, you know, kind of, you know, your your basic bio of your early life and how you ended up at Liberty. Well, actually, it was really uh, of the Lord because I was at Campbell University and the, the coach, the founding coach for Liberty, Jake Mathis, knew me and he was going to take a sabbatical and he also when he came back he wanted to just work with the distance runners so he invited me in 1985 in the summer of 85 to um, become the head track coach here and uh, and I was at Campbell which didn't have a lot but Liberty had even less (laughs) so at first I wasn't very interested at all at the time it was Liberty Baptist College, and uh, and the time timing didn't seem right. It was the summertime. I had already recruited my team for next year at Campbell, and uh, but I prayed about it a lot, and I was back and forth on it, and uh, ended up turning the job down. But telling them the timing just wasn't right. If it was earlier, so instead of filling the job looking for somebody permanent they uh filled it temporarily and uh offered me the job again the next year in february and that time i really kind of felt the lord was leading us here even though i didn't feel like it was a step forward at best it was a sideways step and in some ways it was a backward step because at least we had a track where i was although it was just an asphalt track but when i came to liberty we we had nothing. We didn't have a track. We used to have to go over to Heritage High School to do our practices. And it was pretty much, uh, he, he was running a program kind of on the, out of the back of his station wagon at the time. There wasn't a lot of support. If It wouldn't have been a hard decision if I had had a vision of where we were going, but I, I of course, didn't know that. And uh the thing that drew me, I guess, was the uh, strong spiritual co- uh, commitment that they had. Uh, that Campbell was kind of a, a, to me, it was sort of a pseudo Christian school. I mean, they had some good Christian doctrines, but they didn't always apply them, and they didn't even apply them in their hiring. So they had, you know, if you took a Bible 101 class, what you got taught just depended upon your professor, and some of them. Some of them were very uh, biblical, and some of them weren't. So that's kind of how I uh, so I accepted that job, and I came here in 1986. 
uh, to uh, what I would call a pretty much a fledgling program. We had only one way to go, that's for sure. They had won the Christian College Nationals, uh, which sounds pretty good, but uh, I looked at the results and there were only three teams at it. And uh, the performance level was was not too high. Wow. So, you know, obviously you're, you're offering a little bit of insight into kind of where Liberty was at that time. So can you... Can you tell me a little bit more about kind of like where Liberty as a campus and as an athletic program as a whole was? This was not even 20 years into Liberty's existence. So, you know, give me some more insight into how yeah. Liberty well, was. Well, it was at that founded time. in 71. So, yeah, that was, uh, I came here 15 years after it had started. And they were, they were in the process of, it was really being funded by the old time Gospel Hour at the time. And uh, Dr. Falwell was on TV every week and trying to raise money. And in the heyday there in the early 80s, sometimes they would take in, I heard, uh, half a million dollars in a, in a mailing on uh, on a day. And that's how he was building the school. Uh, but re- little did I realize when I came here, uh, around that time the PTL scandal came and the funding for televangelists really dropped off big time. So the school started having some extreme financial struggles uh, because they were having to pay to be on the air back then, and they were not even taking in enough money to uh, cover expenses. So they, but they had thrown up a lot of buildings. Most of them were sheet metal siding buildings, which have since been torn down. Uh, a few brick ones, and uh, it was kind of a. The campus was sort of like a, a rush build because they were they only moved on campus in '77. So I came here ten years within the first ten years of the campus, and it it was really like a uh, uh, well a, a low level Christian college at the at the time. Uh, and and really struggling financially. I didn't realize that. Had I known that, I probably wouldn't have come. But uh, between when I came in 86 and maybe about 96, the school was struggling to keep their doors open. Uh, The commitment to athletics was always there verbally. Dr. Falwell definitely believed that athletics was great – to be used for evangelism and discipleship, and uh, that's what I—that's what I loved about his vision. And they were—they were Division Two at the time that I came, and uh, they, but they had committed to move to Division One within two years. So, 1987-88 was our first year in NCAA Division One, and uh, track and field actually was fortunate. I had a kid that came with me from from Campbell and he was uh, Liberty's first All-American in Division One in 1988. Wow, that's pretty cool. So can you offer me some insight into that move from Division Two to Division One happening there in the late 80s? Because that was definitely a, I mean, I'm sure that was a risky move at the time for the university given, you know, the situation that it was in. But I'm sure that that was also something that you were looking forward to the opportunity of having. I mean, because getting to coach a Division One program is, uh, is is obviously something that you don't take lightly. Well, Campbell was Division One, and that's one of the reasons I turned the job down the first time because 
they were division two and they were saying, Oh, we're going to go division one, but you know how that is. People say things and it doesn't always happen. So, uh, but in 86, they made the commitment to the NCAA and they started the three year process. So it's, uh, you have to declare and then had to be three years before you went to division one. Uh, and I mean, Campbell was division one. It didn't have great, uh, it doesn't necessarily have to have great funding. We weren't going with football, and football was the one that had all the stipulations. Uh, but they were, uh, they were well, they were Division One Double A. They had two divisions of one. So the the top division, you have to have certain attendances and everything. They didn't have that. But but even when Dr. Fowell announced that he was going to start a college. You know, he had started an elementary school and then a high school as his kids grew up. And when he announced they were going to start a college, uh, he announced that they were going to be NCAA Division One and play Notre Dame in football someday and beat them. And everybody just kind of laughed at him. Uh, but, you know, now all these years later, we haven't played Notre Dame yet, but uh, and we certainly haven't beaten them yet, but if somebody were to make that statement now, they wouldn't laugh. You know, that's definitely uh, something that you could see at this point. But uh, the the commitment to athletics was always there, but the funding wasn't. So that's what, you know, without funding, you you can't build a high-level Division One program and without facilities. And we didn't have facilities or funding uh, in those early years. So, Coach, you know, during this time frame in which, you know, when Liberty, you know, is 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 having financial difficulty, and when you're playing, you know, at the Division Two level, moving up the Division One, what was it that you think kept the university going? What was it that you know that kept people believing in this vision, even though you know you weren't totally certain you were totally seeing the fruits of the labor? Because I mean, as as you said, it was you know the, the university was having a lot of difficulties at the time, but it. It kept going, and the Lord just kept uh, kept allowing it to eventually start thriving. Well, I guess what when it got to the worst point, uh, Liberty had started mortgaging buildings and borrowing money to stay afloat because they used to be building with the money that came in, a lot of the money that came in from old-time Grosselauer, and that was providing maybe, I think, in the neighborhood of $25 million a year for building a school which doesn't sound like much by Liberty standards now, but at the time that was what they were using. And that kind of dried up. And Dr. Falwell believed it was going to come back. So he stayed on the air and he kept uh, uh, kept just borrowing. And at one point we got, I think Liberty got to where they had $70 million worth of debt and they were about to be, you know, people were trying to foreclose on them, and a lot of people were wondering if uh, if the school was going to make it. I mean, we we actually had uh, a couple paychecks that we didn't get. You know, they gave everybody quote a vacation in the summertime without pay, uh, and it was you know he was trying to borrow and get a a loan, and that ended up falling through at the last minute. And, uh, but, and then that's when he went on his two 40 day fast. Dr. Fowell went on a 40 day fast. He was going to 
you know, pray for the survival of the school. And the first fast, you really never got around to it. I guess it was a, a deep personal fast. Uh, and then 23 days after he went off that fast, he went on another one, and then he prayed for for funding for the school. And that's when uh, A.L. Williams came along, who was an insurance tycoon, and uh, he basically, over a course of a certain amount of time, gave him about, I think, about $70 million. I'm, I'm not a financial person, so I don't, I'm not comp- guaranteeing the accuracy of these results, but basically, he kind of saved the school financially. Of course, the Lord did it, but, uh, and it was after some real great trials. And from my personal perspective, our, our problem was, we would buy, you know, we had a budget on paper. It was pretty meager, but we had a budget and and we would buy things with the budget and then they couldn't, then they couldn't get paid, you know? So or a lot of our vendors were, were uh, pushing us all the time to pay bills. And those were really some tough days yet. Yeah, at the same time, uh, track and field personally was, uh, thriving. I mean, we had some great results in the mid-90s. Some of the, uh, some God did some amazing things. And uh, so I, I just personally felt like, okay, this isn't going to die. This is going to make it. Uh, but I knew professors who thought we were going under. And a bunch of them did get laid off at that time. We even had a cut back in our, our staff from three members to two members uh, during that during that time in 1994 but uh but there was still just like now there are a lot of people committed to the mission and uh believing and dr falwell was such a great example of faith i mean he he went through some real struggles and but never lost faith and and his preaching never lost faith and he could be in the darkest hour and no, he was the kind of guy that believed we're going to win when you're down by by 30 points in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and so that was uh, that was very inspiring. I I would credit if 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 people uh, ask me personally, okay, who's the most important people in developing your faith? It would be number one, my father, and then number two, Dr. Falwell. Wow. So, you know, you mentioned earlier how Dr. Falwell had a verbal commitment to athletics. Can you tell me a bit more about, you know, what that was, like what his verbal commitment to athletics was and and how, you know, how that kept you going during some, you know, difficult, you know, difficult times for the school, but also encouraged you when you, as you said, were having a lot of success uh, on the track. And I mean, you know, I mean, you, you look at, you know, I mean, I think I saw under your leadership 116 conference titles during your time here before um, you you retired in, in 2020. So, um, you know, just tell me, you know, what what was that verbal commitment that he gave to athletics and how did it keep you going? Well, he did it personally. I mean, he did it publicly. He would uh, I can remember us winning a conference championship and he would call me up in church, you know, nation, nationally televised church service. To, to tell people about the me and stuff and then to pray, you know, and, uh, and he would, uh, he would also do it, you know, publicly, but he would also do it personally. Like 
Sometimes my phone would ring, I'd pick it up, and he says, hello, Grant, this is Dr. Fall, this is Jerry Falwell. <laughs> and he would, uh, he would drop in the office, and, and, uh, and he, he just kind of expected, he, he believed that God was going to do great things with this university, so that strong belief, it wasn't a matter of if, it was more a matter of how, you know, how and when. But, uh, you know, and they supported us. We, we always had a pretty good scholarship budget, even though we didn't have a very <clears throat> good budget for, for travel and everything. Uh, but we did have uh, scholarship support and because they were giving away so many educations as it was. Dr. Paul I would, would meet a needy kid sometime and give him a full scholarship to Liberty. That's just kind of how he was, even though they were struggling financially but uh, and you know he talked about athletics all the time from the pulpit too and anything good you did and in a way there wasn't much pressure because anything good you did he praised and anything that didn't go good that was sort of expected because we didn't have the backing you know uh, there weren't a lot of coaches fired back in those days and it wasn't about it's about who you were more than uh, how good your record was. But uh, but you could tell he loved athletics. Yeah, wow. So, you know, Coach, tell me about, you know, your first few years as the coach. And, and tell me, take me deeper into some of the earliest successes that you had you know, as the track coach, because as you said, you know, you, you know, you, you were at a disadvantage at a lot of times, but you still, in spite of that, were able to have success. So just, you know, take me through that, take me through some of, you know, the best, the best uh, athletes you had and some of like the best moments that you had over in those earlier years. Well, like I said, when we came here, we didn't have a track. So we used to have to either drive in cars or jog over to Heritage High School. We used to go up Ward's Ferry Road there and, you know, it's just about, I think, two and a half, three miles. And uh, a lot of times I'd load <clears throat> six kids in my car and somebody else would have a car and we'd drive over there uh, to do a workout. Uh, but it was, uh, there was a man that I knew who was a big athletic uh, supporter named Dave Campbell. He actually worked many years before he died in the uh, Jerry Fowell Museum later on. But he told me that uh, that he had talked to doc- the city was trying to raise some money to uh, to put a, a rubberized surface on the city stadium track around the football field where, where Liberty used to play football. And he had said that he talked to Dr. Fowell and Dr. Fowell was willing to provide some funding for that which is interesting that he would say that when they were struggling so much at that time but when i heard that i thought okay no we don't i don't want to track five miles away from campus we're already going to one three miles away i don't want one worse so i started looking on campus i actually got a tape measure and i went out where the old soccer where the current soccer field is but there was just an old soccer field there that was kind of sloped and there was another building called David's Place on the other side. And I got a tape measure and tried to figure out if we could fit a track there. And when we could, uh, then I I managed to uh, 
did a meeting with Dr. Falwell to try to sell him on the idea of building a track right on campus. And actually, where the track is now, that, that was at the time the edge of campus because we didn't have the north campus. So that was the edge of campus, which was a nice place to build a track. Turned out being the middle of campus now nowadays. But uh, so we had had that meeting, and I I had done some analysis, and I told him we could build it for three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and he said, "Okay, let's do it." <laughs> and that was in nineteen eighty seven, and. The project got <clears throat> delayed and stopped a few times, but between 87 and 90, for three years, they were building a track at Liberty. It took three years to build a track. should have taken six months, but uh, <clears throat> Liberty did a lot of things in-house. And, but that, uh, and those were the really lean financial years during which uh, we built the first track at Liberty, and that really changed our program. Uh, and similarly, years later, when they got the North Campus, and I heard that Dr. Dr. Falwell said we're going to get the North Campus and it has 888,000 square feet, I started thinking, oh, I wonder if, wonder if we get a track in, indoor track in there. And that was in, uh, in the early 2000s, maybe 2000 three or four when we got that. And long story short, we ended up putting an indoor track in that, uh, which you know, Dr. Falwell backed and supported. And that's really changed our program again, uh, majorly, because then we not only had an outdoor place to practice, but we also had an indoor place to practice. So, I mean, if, if Dr. Falwell had had the kind of funds available that we have now, athletics would have been supported at a really high level. But it was kind of like everybody knew he was doing the best he could. And uh, and it does amaze me that uh, the way the Lord blessed us even during those lean years. The, the culmination of, like, 96 was kind of the uh, the – end of the really bad time. I think it was somewhere around that time where they got, uh, A.L. Williams got on board and all. But uh, that was the year that our track team uh, beat the national champions at the, uh, there's, a, there's a large conference called the IC4A, Intercollegiate Amateur Athletic Association of America. And George Mason had won the indoor national championship that year, unseating 12-time champion Arkansas. And then they had won the IC4A seven years in a row, and we beat them in, in 1996 with, with uh, a team that was very much inferior to their team. It was like a, uh, a total God thing something we worked for and played for, prayed for. But when it happened, it was, everybody knew it was a miracle. And that was, uh, that was just, I think, God honoring us for faithfulness during those years of financial struggles and facility struggles and everything. 
you know, so, you know, that was, was that moment when you beat Arkansas and, you know, when you were playing such, you know, when you guys were starting to compete at a high level at that point in 1996, was that, was that the turning point for you, your program and kind of for athletics as a whole, when athletics started to slowly begin the rise to where it is today now to where we're competing, you know, I mean, football is competing, you know, at the FBS level and this fall welcoming in Virginia Tech and BYU and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So, um, you know, would, you know, was that the turning point right there for you guys as a program and for, you know, was that kind of the start of the turning point for athletics? That's hard to, it's really hard to say to point to a, a turning point because for me and my thinking, it was a gradual uh, growth of faith that I think Dr. Fulwell going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, he really uh, was able to subtly and gradually uh, influence me to have, uh, I don't want to say faith as big as him, but just to really believe God could do anything. And I kind of believe we were going to win a national championship. <laughs> we never did that, but I kind of, we did beat the national champions once, but in a, a different meet. But, uh, but I just thought, okay, you know, if God wants to do that, he could do that. And, uh, and, you know, the, we Liberty still hasn't won a national championship, but they came very close last year with field hockey, a sport that they just started, you know, one of the last sports that they started. So it just, it, it is still true. God can do anything at any time, but win something like the national championship in football would, I mean, God could do it, but normally it would take a lot of funding and a lot of history. And because I did find that it's only in the recent years that we're able to recruit uh, large numbers of athletes against power five schools. You know, it's uh, back in those early days. So often I would have a Christian athlete that I, I was working to recruit that I knew would thrive at Liberty and would, would love to be at Liberty, but they were too far ahead of our program and we didn't have the facilities that they felt like they would have to make too large of an athletic sacrifice. So I remember one girl who ended up, uh, she was a distance runner. She ended up going to Providence and, and as a freshman, they won the national championship in cross country. But she wrote to me, even though she went to Providence, she wrote to me for four years while she was in college, not kind of not wanting to sever that connection because uh, her, her spiritual life at Providence was really one of just struggle. Uh, you know, the team kind of rejected her for her faith and, they were all partying all the time and everything. And, uh, and she didn't have, she didn't have the kind of, uh, positive collegiate experience, even though she has a national championship ring. But, uh, but, you know, I, I looked forward and worked hard toward the day when an athlete like that would come to Liberty and think, Hey, I could come here and have everything I'll have everything and much more. I can have everything athletically. I can have the support. I can have the 
facilities. I can have the high-level coaching, and I can have all that in a Christ-honoring, uh, spiritually rich environment. And we're seeing that now, and it's funny. She was I'm talking about a female distance runner, but now you look at the female distance runners. They had uh, their, they just had a great recruiting year. And the girl, the woman coaching them was our Liberty's first national champion in the mile. So, it, you know, they, those girls have everything uh, that – and if we were recruiting this girl now that we lost that time, I have no doubt we, we would get her and she'd want to be here. But, but it was a – you know, you have to pay the price. You have to, you have to work and uh, – and and I think it's it's appropriate that God doesn't give you what you want right away anyway, because in order to appreciate you you appreciate things in proportion to to how difficult they are to attain. And if you could go take up a sport today, practice uh, an hour a day until the next Olympics and win the gold medal, you wouldn't you wouldn't have near the appreciation for it that the person who's going to win it will get because that person will have committed so much of their life to achieving that goal. And, uh, and I found that even with athletes, when an athlete is too talented and they're able to win without working very hard, they rarely, rarely work hard because they just sort of, and I can think of an athlete or two that I've had like that, that could have been so, much higher level, but they won almost all the time anyway without working very hard. You know, when when you were telling that story about that girl that went to Providence, the one thing that struck me is that it was obvious even in those days that there was something so special about Liberty. Even though Liberty wasn't what it is today, it was still, there was something about it that just was special and unique and different and just, you know, there was just, there was something there. You know, what what was that special thing that liberty had like it's it's kind of like when you see an athlete and it's like you know they have it you don't know what it is but you know it when you see it even though it's hard to describe it what do you think it was that liberty had in those days that made it so special despite all of the difficulties you guys had to go through well you know the verse from uh corinthians where the spirit of the lord is there is liberty we also if you can it's not a Bible. That's a Bible verse, but so that's truth. But but we like to think of it in terms of liberty is where the Spirit of the Lord is. Not where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty, but the Spirit of the Lord is at liberty. And that's the thing that we. I used to always say in the recruiting process, I always said, okay, if you look at what's the greatest team in the country, you know, you name different teams maybe, but I say, what team has the greatest mission? And and I would say Liberty. Liberty has the greatest mission of their athletic program. Uh, for me, it was Liberty has the greatest mission of the track and field and cross country program. Because our mission was to glorify God through athletics and to uh, help our athletes to become more Christ-like. And that's way more important than the mission of any other school that I know, except for maybe some other small Christian school that has that. But in the later years, I used to tell people, not only we have the greatest mission, but we are 
of the schools that have that mission were the, the best funded and the, have the best facilities. And, uh, but in early days, all we had was, was a mission, but the mission uh, touched the heart of athletes who had that same spirit. I think of it was in, uh, in the late 90s when I was recruiting the, who became our first national champion, who's now the coach of the uh, women's distance runners, Heather Sagan Zeeland. And she really had a heart for the Lord in high school and was going to not go right to college. She was thinking that she was going to go with, I think it was uh, a mission organization called Teen Mania. But her coach recommended that she come visit Liberty, and so she did. And in the process of recruiting her, uh, I told her that, you know, what our mission was, and that uh, it wasn't just, she wouldn't be just doing athletics, but the mission uh, would be the same as the mission of Teen Mania, except we used athletics as the platform in which to do it. And that resonated with her, and that's why she chose to come to Liberty. And she wasn't very high-level athlete in high school. I mean, right now, she would be one of the the back girls on the team of 33 distance runners. <laughs> but... uh but she she came and and then her senior year she ended up winning a national championship. Who who would have thought it? You know, uh, I wouldn't. But I think it was it was her heart for the Lord that not only brought her to Liberty, but also that it was that heart that God saw that He He honored and blessed and allowed to have the wonderful privilege of being Liberty's first ever national champion. That's incredible. I mean, that's just incredible to see, you know, just how the mission of Liberty just resonates so well with so many people. And, you know, the people that have to that have to um, promote that vision are the coaches. And, you know, you talked about, you know, how you talked a little bit about coaches earlier, but I want to dive deeper a bit with them. Tell me about what the relationship was like with your other coaches within athletics in those early years. As you all were, you know, you all were dealing with some of the same, you know, the same shortcomings, but also had the same mission in mind. You all had the same belief in it. So, you know, tell me about what that relationship was like and how you guys and girls all together came together to try to improve Liberty Athletics in any way that you could. Well, it is interesting that there there was a spectrum also in coaches in terms of how much they brought into the mission, just like there is with athletes and students in general. Uh, and I, I've even seen at times some coaches come who were more about athletics. And, and I always felt like, I always felt like, okay, if you give up our uniqueness and our distinctiveness, we're going to suffer. We're not, we're not going to gain from that. You know, we're, we're going to suffer. And, uh, and but I've seen a few instances where coaches got burned by that, where they are so much about trying to have the high level athlete that they they played down the mission and then it came back and bit them in the end. Now that's not to say. Uh, I mean, I don't think every athlete has to be fully bought in and and committed. Uh, when you're recruiting them because I've seen even unsaved kids come and get saved at Liberty and, 
and become some of our best ambassadors. But it's it's really tricky. There's a balance there of how many, quote, missionary projects you can have on your team before they end up taking over and the team loses its mission. And uh, that's really a tricky thing that, that uh, you as a coach need to kind of recognize who are the mission projects and, and, and make sure that uh, they're watched and guided. It's uh, that's, that's really kind of a, a difficult thing, but uh, I would, you know, one of the things we, we said as our, one of our objectives, we had about 10 objectives. One was to try to set an example for the other teams at Liberty in terms of uh, the benefits of, of having a strong spiritual commitment on your team and to trying to, to uh, grow that uh, commitment to the Lord in your athletes. Uh, I often told athletes, I said, I believe that everything being equal, a Christian athlete has a huge advantage over a non-Christian athlete. Uh, so now everything being equal, you, you can't you can't take a low-level talent-wise Christian athlete and expect them to accomplish more than a high-level non-Christian athlete. But but there's so many pitfalls that can be avoided when you're walking with the Lord that will help your athletics be better and your motivation is better because you're motivated to honor your creator and your redeemer. And, uh, I mean, what's higher motivation than that? Just honoring yourself. Uh, so there's so many, so many things that, so that's part of the reason too, not only for the, the spiritual good of our athletes, but also because we're trying to have a high level team. That was one reason we really emphasized the, the uh, spiritual growth aspect of athletics. I remember telling one of the football coaches who was a friend of mine once, I said, it's impossible to out-recruit or out-coach the blessing of God. And, and that's, that's a true statement. You know, if, if God chooses to bless you, you can't. Opposing coach can't do something to overcome that. And uh, and so I guess from the very beginning, well, not from the beginning, but uh, in an early time, God really taught me that, that uh, there's nothing better than having him pour out his blessing on you. And you look at, you look in the Bible at people like Joseph, you know, it constantly says, and, and the Lord was with him, and he had success in everything he did. Now, you look at his life, and you would say, man, you know, this wasn't, wasn't a perfect life. He spent time in jail. He spent you know, time sold as a slave and all this. But through all those trials, God was with him and blessed him in everything he did. And uh, we have that same kind of opportunity, I think as coaches at Liberty to experience God's blessing, uh, why not, why not avail yourself of that and, and 
and really try to take advantage of it. I think that anybody that 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 buys into the mission of liberty, I think, really truly has the understanding that you know, you know, the blessing of God, you know, is is what helps make you successful. And you you very obviously have a a, a clear and, and and obvious understanding of that and and of that reality. And and you know, I mean, it 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 helps you with recruiting. I mean, you know, having you know the blessing of God, you know, there, you know, you know, was helpful. And of course, liberty being unique, you know, was was very helpful to that. And. And you know, you know, where where do you see the uniqueness of Liberty continuing to help in terms of recruiting athletes nowadays, or even in the past? You know, how how did that? You know, how did the uniqueness of Liberty make it make your job as a recruiter easier? And how do you think it's continuing to affect the university nowadays? Well, I've really been excited uh, for the last you know six even since I've been gone two years for the last six, seven years, especially to see how it it seems like every single coach is starting to understand what we've just been talking about here that, okay, if I want to, if I want to be successful here, I have to uh, do everything I can to help my athletes grow in the Lord. But I'm the leader, so I also have to have to make sure I'm working at that. And uh, you no, know, I used to also say often it's it's hard to lead from behind. So that's that's like if you have a cross country team and the spiritually best leader is the the worst runner on your team. It it's very hard for him to lead from behind. You you hope that one of your best runners is the spiritual giant on the team, so that that person could be your captain. Because it's a lot easier to lead from the front, and uh, and a coach also has to invest in his own spiritual growth and spend a lot of time with the Lord, so that he can be that example to his athletes. Uh, I used to always pray and even tell the athletes that I wanted to coach the way the Lord would have coached. So it's like if if Jesus Christ showed up one day and said, uh, uh, what do you want me to do for you? I would say, okay, here, you coach this team. I'll just watch, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever you want. You, you coach the team. Well, a uh, Christian coach actually has that opportunity because the, the spirit of the Lord lives within them and so it's just a matter of being in tune with that spirit uh and kind of trusting that spirit to to guide you and that spirit bears witness with our spirit uh not only that we're children of god but also how to make decisions sometimes and there have been times when i made a decision that didn't seem like the the right uh decision from a standpoint of of logic but then it turned out to be a really good decision because it was guided by the the spirit and it was contrary to sound judgment but and those you know those aren't common most of the time sound judgment goes along with it but there's once in a while you just feel something in the spirit well i don't know i'm going to go ahead and do this and and uh, and it proves to be 
one of your best decisions. But I'm, I'm I am excited about what I see from Liberty right now. Every and I think that I think that that comes down to the athletic administration now that they really look for coaches that will will not only share but uh, love and be committed to the mission of Liberty University and uh, it's it's unapologetic and it's uh, pretty much down the line through all the I don't know anything that much about club sports but as far as as far as the NCAA sports where I knew those coaches and when I read the articles I'm like okay this is exciting to see and and I, th- I think it's, it is a huge recruiting advantage because when you get the right kid who's going to thrive at Liberty, they're happy, they perform better. If you get the wrong, the wrong athlete who doesn't like the mission, and he's going to end up being uh, kind of like a cancer on your team, and and uh, you have a real struggle, and you spend so much time trying to do damage control. <laughs> that it's just not worth it, even if it's a high-level athlete. So, Coach, one last question here for you. Um, you know, you had the indoor track named after you, you know, you know, not too long ago. You know, Coach, but it's very obvious from talking to you that, you know, you're, you know, you're a servant of the Lord, and, and, you know, you want the Lord to be glorified through you. You know, you know having, you know, indoor track named after you, that is cool, but, you know, what do you want that to represent when someone – reads your name or sees your name on on that building you know what what do you want that to represent well i think all our lives and uh are a testimony of what i did when i was young like say your age or even in my early 20s i used to think be excited about what i was going to do and then when i'm old and i look back i'm excited about what god used me to do you know, it's it's kind of like you you recognize it easier in hindsight that well, I didn't really it wasn't my expertise that accomplished this. It was this person was at the right place at the right time, and all these things you can't control, and they end up uh, being your greatest accomplishments. And 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 none of them your greatest accomplishments are not things that you control. And you, it's almost like you can't you can't take credit for it. It's, it's like, yeah, maybe you had your hand on the rudder of the ship, but the wind was blowing, <laughs> and the currents were going, and and so your your part in the whole process is small, but it's one that God allows you to to have, and so it it is. It is. I used to also say this. It's, it's the greatest joy in life, is the feeling that you get when you realize God used you for something. You know, it's just uh, when when God takes you or just one little person in this world of what, seven billion or something, and and He uses you to do something for His kingdom. Something that's permanent, you know, something to change a kid's life or something. That's uh, that's such a satisfying and joyful feeling that it doesn't really, I don't think it gets any better than that. 
well, the other kind of pleasures are fading, but that's a pleasure that that is just a, a wonderful blessing to to experience. Well, Coach, uh, thank you so much for spending time with me today here. And, uh, you know, um, I, I, the insight is incredible into, you know, the time at Liberty that you were here and just, you know, you know, the fact that, you know, you were you were a huge part of, you know, Liberty getting to the point where it is athletically where it is now. And, you know, the fact that, you know, you were so bought into the mission and still are. And, you know, the fact that, you know, that mission is still alive and well today. Um, you know, it, it takes people to do that. And, and, and you were you were a huge part of that. And, uh, you know, coach, um, you know, uh, we, you know, I mean, I'll say on behalf of Liberty, you know, thank you for all that you did. And, and you know, obviously, you know, you know, the Lord, you know, do, you know, did some great things. And, uh, you know, we you know we not nobody wants to lose sight of that. And, you know, it's very obvious that you haven't lost sight of, you know, what the Lord did. And uh, so, you know, um, you know, just that's that's the type of ambassador that, you know, that's the type of ambassador that, uh, you know, Liberty, Liberty wants and liberty needs and uh you know we love that so um you know thank you so much coach appreciate the time you spent with me today uh it was well was a thank ton you of fun. for pro- thank you for publicizing these things and uh helping to do that as a project it's uh I, i'm sure a lot of people will be interested in hearing coach thank you so very much once again and folks thank you so much for tuning into this episode of climbing thy mountain be on the lookout on tuesday for the next episode featuring current liberty women's basketball coach carrie green in episode three of the six-part series on the rise of liberty athletics through the eyes of those who witnessed it thank you so very much once again folks for tuning in i'm joshua lapowski see you next time Thank you for listening to this episode of Climbing Thy Mountain. Be sure to tune in on Tuesday for our next episode featuring current head women's basketball coach, Carrie Green. Thank you once again for tuning in.